Welcome back to the Hug Your People podcast. It's been a long time. My name is Kevin, and I'm delighted to be here with... Suzanne Huber. <laughs> My lovely wife, Suzanne. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time. A lot of people have asked when we're going to hear from Suzanne, and today is the day. Um, so in this episode, episode 48, we wanted to give you a quick recap of what we've been doing since December, our last podcast. Um, we're going to answer some questions from our Facebook page, and we're going to kind of give out some advice to any cancer parents out there. So uh, first things first, let's start about what we're doing now. Uh, Suzanne and I have sold the house, sold the cars, bought a truck and a fifth wheel, got it wrapped with Hug Your People stuff, and we set out on the road. Um, and oddly enough, this was Suzanne's idea. Suze, am I yes. right? Yes. Uh, and so that's that's what we're doing and our mission is to travel to all 50 states obviously not driving to two of the states we're flying to hawaii and alaska but travel to all 50 states and give a Baxi's wagon to a kid fighting cancer in each state um that's our mission we're in stop number two currently we are in virginia right outside of virginia beach uh headed to richmond next week and we're excited so uh follow along through our facebook page follow along through our website and um and that's the best way to, to keep uh, connected with us. So uh, let's talk about, you know, we, we went from South Carolina, North Carolina, now in Virginia. Um, let's talk about uh, a recap of last week. You know, uh, Suze, you want to talk about this, like how we, you know, what we learned last week, how we connected with Maddox and, and everything like that. Uh, just share your experience with us. Yeah. So what we did figure out, because this is all new to us, and so we're kind of learning as we go, is that um, we need to try to connect with the families maybe two to three weeks out. We want to, we don't want to connect with them too far out. Um, but, um, we do need to try to get, you know, meet them about two weeks out. That way we can shop for them, get them exactly what they want. Um, with the wagons, we personalize it. We make sure that the pillow and the blanket and the toys are exactly what they want, um, and we were kind of nervous and, or at least I was, um, nervous and panicky because we hadn't connected with a family in Raleigh. Um, there was just a lot leading up to our starting this trip. Um, there was a lot that we had to do just for us, you know, tying up loose ends before we, you know, hit the road. Um, and so, you know, some people tried to help us connect with other families, but it didn't work out. We tried to connect with a family and they had just left for, um, Philly for two months for treatment. So we couldn't deliver a wagon in person for our first stop. And so I actually got on Instagram and looked at tagged places and looked at, um, you know, tagged children's hospital photos. And I was able to, um, to find Maddox. He's a three-year-old with leukemia, um, that we were able to connect with. And, um, I messaged her, his mom messaged me back very quickly and it was, we were able to shop for him in a day. Um, and it ended up working out perfectly. And that actually was also how I was able to connect with the little boy that we're going to be giving the wagon to um, tomorrow in um, Virginia Beach. Um, I looked at, you know, Instagram tags of the Children's Hospital in Virginia Beach, and I was able to connect with Xavier's mom. So um, we ended up figuring out that that was a good way to do it. It's also families that are willing to share their stories, um, which in turn helps us because we can share um, the wagons with everyone else, which is what everybody else likes to see. Yeah, and that's a great point. This has always been about, you know, and so some of the questions that I get, I know you've got them too, 
um, is, you know, how we should connect with families. And a lot of the suggestions uh, go through the hospitals, go through the social workers and all that. And we probably will utilize that at some point. But we, what we on is the amount of red tape involved in that <clears throat> is overwhelming. It really is um, because there's regulations and rules. So I, I think what Susan and I really enjoy is connecting with other families directly. You know, um, Sue's connected with Maddox's mom, uh, just a powerful, powerful woman. She's just, uh, her little, Maddox is just a little warrior. And that really, that connection really is what this is all about, I think. Um, if you're wondering like how, how do we, and this was really our first time and, and Sue did a great job of like, you know, using all the tools that we have, you know, going to Instagram and searching hashtags and, you know, really finding these, these kids because we know they're out there. And so that's really, that's kind of how we, um, how we did that. It was really an amazing uh, learning curve for the first time out. And we're really excited to continue that. Um, so in addition to connecting with the families, you know, obviously my family, we haven't, we weren't campers. We weren't, never been in an RV situation before. Um, sold the house. So our RV now is our house. Um, and we had to figure out that. Suze, what was the biggest aha, the biggest thing you figured out? Like, I think now we're coming up on two months of, of living in the, in the RV. What's the biggest thing you figured out so far? About wait, what? About the RV. Um, Well, it does not. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still sensitive about laundry. I'm very excited that we do have a washer and dryer on the rig. Um, but communal laundry is a totally different ballgame. It brings me back to the Ronald McDonald house and, you know, um, going to. I, I don't like laundry. Laundry is my least favorite thing to do, but it is my job. And. I do not like my window of wanting to do laundry is very small. And so with communal laundry, you have to make sure that the washer and dryers are available. Um, we ended up going in North Carolina to a laundromat. Um, long story short, Bex, I forgot to put Bexley in a diaper overnight and he peed overnight. So we had to go take our, um, our sheets to the um, laundromat in the first place that we went. Um, I could not figure out who worked there and I also could not figure out how to work the machines. And so I panicked and just stared at everybody until somebody would make eye contact with me, hoping that somebody would look at me and try to help me, but nobody did. And so I turned around, I told Kev, I was like, we've, we've got, we got to go to a different place. some some place where somebody will help me. <laughs> um, and we ended up, that's what we did. We, had, we went and drove another 15 minutes um, to find another laundromat. And luckily that one, there was somebody that was more willing to help us and, we got the sheets cleaned and um, yeah. And, and, you know, so this is, this is what we're learning. This is what we're learning on this trip is that everything has a reason. So the second place we went, so the first laundromat, yeah, it was um, standing there and figured out everyone was running around. It was not, um, you know, we're, we, we come in we're strangers in the town, much less uh, to the laundromat. So it didn't work out. But the second place we went was actually right across the street from a Vietnamese restaurant where we were able to get our beloved spring our rolls and, and pho. So we, we were able to get half for dinner that night to, to put a positive cap on the, on the day. We were ha able to have our favorite meal. Uh, and so that was the good thing that came out of it. But yeah, it's, 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 that's the learning curve. You know, our washer and dryer in the rig is, is small. And so it can't do a normal load like we're used to. 
So we're having to adjust. And anytime we have to do our comforter or things like that, we, we have to go to public facilities to do it. So, yeah. And then we're driving a dually, right, Susan? So we're driving this giant truck into smaller mm -hmm. parking lots. So it was just, it's everything is a learning curve. You know, I think that is, that oh, is a yeah. big thing to figure out on the rig. Um, last week, we had our first experience of not having full hookups. I'll spare you the details of what that means. We can talk about that in another episode. But we had to really conserve water as far as length of showers, how often we wash dishes. We had to really resort to paper plates and things like that. And so learning how to, you know, because while our, our rig is pretty uh, luxurious as far as having the daily things, you know, full-size fridge, microwave, laundry, we've got all that in it. Um, we're, I was reminded last week that we're still kind of camping, right? We're mm -hmm. still kind of in the woods where we're still kind of have to watch that stuff. So I think figuring those things out have been um, probably the biggest learning curve for Susan and I this, the first couple of weeks. Um, what would you say Royce has figured out? Our dog Royce, if you're not familiar with Royce, jump on uh, Hug Your People at Facebook. You'll meet Royce. What do you think Royce has figured out in the first few weeks of being on the road? I think he's doing really well. He, um, ball is life to him. He just likes to chase the ball. And um, the first couple places that we were in South Carolina, we weren't really able to throw the ball with him without a leash which is what he wants to do. You can try to do it with a leash or a lead or something like that, but it doesn't really work because he'll knock the ball and then yank your arm out of socket. But um, luckily, luckily here where we are in Virginia, we are at a resort, but we're spaced out a little bit better and everybody seems to be very dog friendly. We've had both of our neighbors throw the ball for him, you know, 30, 40 times. <laughs> so he, he's really liking the neighbors, but he's actually really adjusting really well. He really is. And, and I, I think, you know, that's the that's the power of the community. You know, of course, back, he's been rolling with the punches for a while. He's he was at the pool. How long yesterday? He was playing outside six eight, hours. hours. Yes, yeah, six hours. Just, <laughs> he's out there being a little boy. And um, and and I know the question always comes up. What are we going to do about school? And Sue's uh, and I will be well, mostly Sue's. She'll be home um, through the next year. We'll do a whole episode on that. I feel like once we get a little more familiar with our process and, and when we actually have information, but, um, that's what, that is what we're going to do. Um, but you know, she, she was talking about, you know, other campers throwing the ball with Royce. And, you know, one of the things that we did, um, before we left is a rig wrapped and hug your people, um, uh, the logo. So it's, you see us coming, right. Um, what, Suze, what has been, I, I, I kind of know the answer, but I want you to share in your words because you're just really great at that. But what has been the biggest, <laughs> have, having the camper rat, <laughs> having the camper rat, she's laughing because she doesn't think she's really good at this. But she is. Oh my gosh, uh, you're the one that's good with words, not me. Oh my gosh. Well, your words are important. So having the camper rat, what was the biggest surprise that you found as we just drove around and pulled around and things like that? What was the biggest, like, yes. oh my gosh just how quickly people are willing to open up and share their stories. It's been really cool. Yeah. What was your favorite story so far? Um, I don't know. It'll make me cry. You'll have to tell. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah. Well, like, so here's, so we got the camper wrapped and one of the things, you know, we, I think the first time we pulled it, we, one person rode by and honked a horn at us. And that's when I think we both were kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, this is going to resonate with people on some level, right? Um, I honestly think my favorite story, and I'll, I think I think this is also Susan's favorite story, but I'll tell it from my perspective because I got a little salty about it coming in. So we were coming into the campsite in Virginia, 
and I just wasn't feeling it. You know, we had had a day of travel and unhooking and everything, and we were leaving this beautiful um, little campsite in North Carolina where we had a lot of interaction with people. And we're driving in, and the road's super narrow, and I'm stressed. I'm trying to keep this thing on the road and out of the ditch. And so I'm just, my energy is going down as we, with each turn of the wheel, it seems, right? So we, we get to our campsite, and it's it's a fine campsite. It's got everything we need. It's no big deal. It's full of hookups. It's, it's everything we need. But we were looking directly into the back of another camper, you know, and I'm literally like 20 yards away is the front door of another camper. So there's no privacy and things like that. So I'm just in my, my brain is going, and I'm getting in a bad mood. Uh, and then the lady from the camper walks out, and she's she says can i take a picture of your camper and uh, sue's walking back walking royce with backs and i said yeah of course uh you can take a picture of the camper and she said uh i started crying when you guys pulled up my net was it nephew Suze? i i think like a nephew i think it's her cousin's son so gotcha. I mean, so yeah. yeah so a close family member they've got a close relationship but she said um they were just diagnosed uh like within the last month um, with leukemia, um, come to find out. And so I immediately went from all my saltiness, all my bad mood, immediately said, oh, this is why we're here. We're not here for um, all the comforts and all the plush settings and everything. We're here to meet these people. Um, that's probably my favorite story because I think I'll use that anytime I start getting down about the trip or about the how hard the travel might be or anything like that. I think I'll remember that we're gonna meet somebody. And mm -hmm. I think that's been the amazing thing. Um, is that was that your favorite story? Was that one yep. of your favorite stories? Yes. Yeah, and they ended up being a really cool family. Like we, we met with them. We they left yesterday, and we wish we'd had more time to hang out with them, but um, but we didn't. But we did connect with them on social, and so I, I think the connection with campers. You know, when we were in North Carolina, we met the Flamingo crew. Uh, how many people? It must have been like ten or 10, eight or ten families, right? Yeah, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. Yeah. But so they saw the rap and they were they do they were doing dinners every night with the people they travel with donating, uh, I think, three wagons. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they donated three wagons. So the connection with other campers because of the rap has just been phenomenal. We've really, um, really enjoyed enjoyed that aspect. And, and, you know, the stories that people share, people are just really willing to share their stories. And most of it, it's, it's alarming how many people are connected to cancer. I think that that kind of hurts my heart every time someone comes up and they want to share a story. They're normally about to share a cancer story with us, um, you know, and that's that's the challenging part, I think. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and it triggers. Says you know, your wife us, that can't stop crying. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I, I think that's that's to the point. You know, it triggers us a little bit because we're. We're not that far out of it. You know, cancer is not something that you just graduate from and then you don't worry about it anymore and you don't feel anything around it. Every time we hear a story of a, a, a kid who's starting their treatment, I think Susan and I have an emotional response to it. You know, um, it's not the emotional response we once had, but we remember those days and those days were really tough. And well, maybe that's for a different episode, but um, I think what we want to transition to now is we want to transition to a couple questions that we got from our Facebook group. Uh, if you're not following us on Facebook, hug your people. You'll see our logo. You'll see Baxley's face. You'll see uh, there's you can't miss us. <laughs> we're we're the, the circus of the Hoovers, and we're on Facebook under hug your people. 
And so connect with us there. So we did get a couple questions on Facebook. And um, so I think I'll take the first one. And I think it's important for you to take the second one. Would you agree? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> She's very agreeable on podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, uh, the first question comes from uh, our good friend, Tim Burroughs. Uh, Tim asked us the best way to support our mission. Um, and we do get that question a lot. And because we are so new, you know, we're just really a couple weeks into this. And um, uh, the best way to support our mission right now is to connect us with families. Uh, so if you hear of someone or you see someone on social media and they're being diagnosed and they're um, starting their fight, you know, tag tag one of us in it, tag hug your people in it, connect us with those families. That is a really great way for us to um, meet the people we need to meet and help the people we need to help along the way. Um, so that's probably the best way. Um, another way is if you're if you do follow hug your people, um, share share our posts. You know, if we if we put something out, you know, making sure that we're visible to people, invite people to to like our page. You know, we're launching YouTube this week uh, of this podcast. Share the podcast with people. It really is about taking our story and the stories that we're sharing about other people and putting that in front of more people. That's really the movement that we're creating. Uh, that's really a good way to um, to support our mission. And lastly, probably the most powerful way is to donate. Uh, if you go to our website, hugyourpeople.org, um, there are two things you can do on the website currently. Uh, one, you can donate money. Um, we're, we are a pending, or we're soon to be a pending 501c3 nonprofit. Um, we're working through that now. So we are legal, so we can't accept money. And so that is obviously the, the first and best way to support us. Uh, the second way you can do it through the website is to nominate a, a child uh, for a wagon. Um, I will forewarn you, we are, we're being very careful. So the nomination form is pretty lengthy. So you need some information before you dive into that. That is by design because we wanna make sure we know the child's story so that when we show up, we're not asking a bunch of questions. We already have that background information so we can have a quick and meaningful interaction uh, I think when we were, when Susan was in Raleigh with Maddox, they were on their way into treatment. So you can imagine like, you know, mama bears, she's got things to do. So she doesn't have a whole lot of time, but they were so gracious to make time for us. So we do ask for a lot of information when you nominate the wagon. So those are probably the best three ways, Tim. Thank you for your question. Um, connect us with families. Uh, make sure you're sharing our, our content, our story on social media with your, your people. Make sure you're connecting us with people who are interested and always uh, donate. Um, donate money and nominate kids for WAG is the best way. Um, the second question, and I'll kick this over to Sue. Yeah, can I question. pause you? Yeah, can I pause yeah. you really fast? Um, yeah. On for the wagons too, being directly to family. So I, I know a lot of people are asking, you know, when are we going to be in California? When are we going to be in New York? You know, this is uh, easily going to be over a year for us to hit every single state. And so, you know, we don't want that child to wait for a wagon, you know, until 2022. So we will ship wagons directly to the kids and then hope that we can connect with a family in New York whenever we're there. Yeah, good point, good point. We're not gonna let these kids wait just because we haven't traveled there yet. So that's a very good point. Um, And so if you do find someone, you know, uh, that we haven't been to yet, we're gonna ship their wagon now. And then when we get to that state, will unfortunately uh, find someone new. So good point there. Um, so let's kick it to the next question. This came from our good friends at North Myrtle Beach RV Resort and Dry Dog Marina. We stayed there for a little time. Uh, that was where we had our media coverage and they were so gracious to us and, and just so nice. We highly recommend them. 
if you're in that area, say hi to them. Um, but they, they wanted to know about advice that we would have for other cancer uh, moms, but also parents will add into that. Um, and so I, I'm going to kick this over to Suze, to Mama Bear. Suze, what is your advice to other moms out there who may be where we were? Okay, I'm going to try and not cry because this takes me back to diagnosis. I got you. Which is why I don't usually talk. <laughs> Okay. But, um, okay, I'll try to get through this. First is to lean on your support system. I know at first a lot of families get a lot of support and then it kind of, you know, treatment can last everywhere. You know, Baxley's was a year and a half, you know, kids with leukemia, it's three years, two to three years. So um, just try to lean on your support system as much as you can, especially at the beginning when everybody's offering it. It's It can be very overwhelming. Um, at first, but it will trickle off and use it as much as you can. You really just need that support. That's also a Kickstarter of why we want to support other families because we had a giant, I mean, an overwhelmingly large support system. And not a lot of other families have that. I, this, Yeah, this is hard for me to do. <laughs> Um, you you can hear um, where we are, right? This is highly emotional for us to be even doing this. You know, um, Susan's right. We were um, very lucky to have the support system we had uh, and, and still have. And, and really, the whole reason that we're doing this, I think, um, and we learn more every day of why we're doing this. I think the whole reason that we're doing this is we're connecting you, if you're listening to this, we're connecting you to people out there who are who need your help, and we're the conduit between two points, um, and that and that's it. We, you know, it is very triggering. I think you know, Sue's connects with parents on a different level than I can. Um, she and not that I can, that I can't. She you, you can hear in her voice. You know, she's just she is the most powerful woman I know. She is the most caring person I know, and she will give you everything that she has because she knows what it's like, you know. So what we're not going to do is shy away from the emotional aspect of what we're doing. It's hard, right? <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Everything we're doing yeah. is hard, you know. So you see the pictures that we post, and we want to make sure that we share those good moments where we're having fun and Bax is having fun. But this is this is a difficult emotional thing that um, it's not something you know running a running my business building our nonprofit helping kids and our kid uh, raising Royce keeping our marriage going squeezing in date nights like all that <laughs> takes, it takes it takes a massive amount of effort and it takes a massive support system for us to even do this so what we think we're, we're doing you know um, is that we're connecting our support system to other people who may not have that. You know, we have met so many single mothers with multiple, with you know, two or three kids. And Susan and I look at each other all the time and say, I have no idea how they're doing it. But they do. Right? Yeah, but they do, because they have to. You know, so when she says lean on your support system, you know, that's the, probably the most, for me, I think I talked about this in one of the early episodes. Um, for me, it, it's the most uncomfortable thing to do is to have to ask for help, but to have no other option than to need help. And 
to be vulnerable and to show emotion. And, you know, if you feel like crying, cry. And if you feel like laughing, laugh. And that either one is okay. You know, if you feel like being mad, like sometimes you just have to be pissed off when you're in cancer fight, right? And you're allowed, you know, and I think that's important. So if you're out there listening to this and you know someone going through it, you know, and you, ha you have to understand that a lot of the things we do, because Susan, I've been there, we, we understand that we don't need a thank you. We don't need a hug. We don't need an appreciation for anything. Um, it's just making it 1% better. Um, I think that's a very good point, Susan, about the support system, because that just means so much. Uh, do you want to jump into number two or? Yes. Um... Uh, number two is, at least for me, was to learn as much as I could about Baxley's diagnosis. Um, I was maybe what you would call medically ignorant um, when Baxley was I first think, diagnosed. I think, we, I think we both were. <laughs> you, you and I, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's yeah. important. You know, like Susan and I, we weren't studying medical books, learning the cancer verbiage. We, we weren't doing that. So Susan and I came in and we have, we have some really funny stories that we can share, but um, we came in not knowing, so I think this is a great point. So listen up, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so when um, you know Bax really, when he got diagnosed, he really got sick really quickly within a week. So we had you know two ER visits, a few doctors' appointments, and finally, you know my mom's a nurse, and so she said maybe it's a bowel obstruction. So we talked to a pediatrician, got him set up with a CT scan where they would hopefully be able to see the bowel obstruction. And could possibly fix it at the same time, if not surgery. And that was when, you know, the doctors came in. They said, we found a grapefruit-sized tumor. And I said, great, okay, get it out. I wasn't thinking cancer, although the look on the nurses' faces when, you know, they knew that a four-year-old boy had a grape-sized fruit um, tumor in his abdomen it more than likely is cancer but I just I, we were so ignorant we didn't know so we weren't panicking at that point um when we got life flighted to MUSC and they had a nephrologist which is a kidney doctor they had who else did they, I don't know they had a lot of other you know specialties and uh, the oncologist comes in and I was actually Kev was in the waiting room I was in the I was in the room with Bax with Kev's um, mom and Bill, and I texted Kev, the oncologist is here, not knowing what an oncologist was. And so at that point, Julie, Kev's sister-in-law, who has had leukemia as an adult, um, <clears throat> threw Kevin into the room and Bill and Debbie out really fast because she understood the importance of that conversation. Whereas I was just like, okay, next another doctor. And she wrote down, you know, rhabdomyosarcoma on a card that said, you know, only search on this website. Don't Google curesearch.org. Um, here you go. Here's, you know, more information where you can learn about rhabdo. And, um, sent, you know, that night I only searched there after that I did, um, I did join a Facebook group for Rabdo. Um, but I, I, I think I waited a little bit before I really got into it because I was scared and I, you know, um, I, it, it, there's just a lot to learn and a lot of people have their, um, their opinions and, you know, some opinions I wish I would have listened to better. Some, I wish I would have just tuned out. Um, but, 
you know, with Bax, we, um, we got him set up on a clinical trial, which I'm so thankful for. We got, um, the, we were put in the um, leg that included a, um, a medication, Timserolimus, that um, I think it proved very promising. Um, and with that clinical trial, you know, they've got, there's only certain things that you can do, such as surgery. Surgery, you know, we, we want... I, whenever I think of a tumor, I'm like, get it out. But the way that it was, it would have been very damaging to his bladder, to his rectum, um, and could potentially be lifelong side effects where he would have to, you know, have like a, a bag to pee or go to the bathroom. So, you know, we were, you know, they were thinking, okay, so what can we do without damaging his entire urinary um, function? And so they decided it was not, not operable. Well, I connected with, um, through the race, the rhabdo Facebook group, I connected with a doctor in Mayo in, um, Minnesota that, you know, he, I, I talked to him for a long time and I felt very confident in his abilities. And so we presented it to our, our doctors and they said, well, no, it'll click, it'll kick you off the clinical trial. Um, if you have surgery, because um, on the clinical trial, you could only have surgery at week one or nine, and this was like week 15. Um, and so <clears throat> at that point, we had to make the decision, do we stay on this clinical trial receiving this Tim Serolimus, or do we get kicked off the clinical trial? And, you know, it's one of the most terrifying things as a parent to say, okay, well, what's the best decision? And we ended up, you know, not having the surgery. And, but you know, in another sense, I think that we connected with him for a reason because, um, we had another family met in Jacksonville. Um, their son had the same cancer. Um, he, he, his chemo was not working mid treatment. So they had to switch protocols and they ended up connect. I was able to connect them with that doctor and, um, he flew to Minnesota. He had his tumor taken out and he is back and he's doing great now. So that was over a year ago. So it's, I feel like we connected with him for a reason, but um, I guess kind of circling back, I think it's important. I, I, I do wish that we would have connected with the Mayo doctor sooner so that we could have possibly gotten it taken out um, prior to, you know, at week nine where he would have had less radiation. So, um, but I, to a certain extent, I think ignorance, ignorance is bliss. And I think that, you know, it can help you with your positivity. <laughs> I think nurses, um, when their kids are diagnosed, they have a harder time because they understand a lot more. And it, that could be terrifying and, you know, do a number on your positivity. I, th I definitely think our positivity helped backs get through without, I don't know, Kev, how to say it, but I think backs kind of doesn't look back as his whole cancer journey whatever you want to call it in a negative light I think that he he sees it as you know he had he got poked and he you know it sucked um but he did a lot of fun things so I don't think he necessarily looks at it as negatively as you would think does that make sense yeah in perfect sense you know and, and I agree I think you know the person Susan and I talk all the time you know, Baxley was four when he was diagnosed, and if it were she or I laying in that bed, we would have gone crazy because we know too much. We just we know 
um, what cancer means and, and a four-year-old doesn't quite comprehend. So Susan and I were processing those things and, and that it's a, I think the, the big takeaway from, from what she just said, and I'm remembering now is, you know, if you're a parent and, and this is back to the question, the advice for other parents, um, if you're a parent, your child has just been diagnosed with cancer, you're basically on a fast track to making incredibly difficult decisions with as little information as, uh, as you don't, you know, over the course of two weeks, we went from playing soccer to being in ICU, being lifelighted to 67 week cancer treatment. So there's not a, and, and in, in that two weeks, you're making life-changing decisions for your child heavy, heavy situation that you're in. So I think one of the things I really want to touch on is about the opinion. So if, if you know someone who's going through that, uh, I would encourage you to not share your opinion unless it's um, because it can create more confusion. It can also, um, you know, unless you've been in that world, you know, it's really tough. You know, when Susan and I sat at that table across from the doctors and they said the C word for the first time, it took the air out of me. I know it did her as well. And, and then you're, you're kind of like, you know, and our first, you know, she and I, we, we kind of click in this way, but our first reaction was, well, get it out. <laughs> like, let's get, evacuate. And, it, and it's, it's not always that simple. So um, I think, I think learning as much as you can without learning too much is the, the curse of cancer. Um, it really is. And that, that kind of brings us into, I think, the, the next point that Suze wants to, to mention, and, and that, that definitely is a challenge uh, for us, is the mental health parents, you know, when your kid is diagnosed. You know, I think for me, I didn't want to leave the hospital room. I was like, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere because your mind is thinking, what if something happens and I'm not here for it? And then over time, you realize that's just not sustainable. You have to take a shot. Um, Suze, you want to touch on the mental mm -hmm. health aspect of, of what's your advice for keeping good mental health? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were very, very fortunate in the fact that we had one kid with cancer and it was two of us. So we were able to take breaks and everything. Um, we didn't really want to do that at first, but we ended up realizing that this was a long, long journey and that we would need to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as parents, um, you don't want to be selfish. You want to um, your child, but I, you can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to make sure that you, you know, do whatever it is for yourself to keep yourself um, mentally stable, mentally healthy. Um, you know, for me, um, uh, I know it sounds very, I don't know, um, I enjoyed the fact that there was a Starbucks at MUSC. Um, that was for me, something that I looked forward to every single morning was just to have a Starbucks. A Starbucks is a special treat. I know a lot of people, um, don't really, um, Starbucks is very polarizing and I also I think I sound a little bit pretentious but it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like it it made me happy to have a coffee in the morning and every morning I was like I deserve it <laughs> absolutely absolutely and, but, uh, and before cancer <laughs> I had no idea what you ordered at Starbucks you had to text it to me every time because we didn't go there that much and now I know I can walk up to the counter and say grande white mocha latte no whip <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, or if yeah. the pumpkin spice latte, if yeah. it was in season. You know? Yes, yes, yeah. and it was in season. But um, I think just kind of doing whatever you need to do, even if it's if it's getting on medication. You know, when the very first time that we had to learn <clears throat> how to calf backs, I remember when you know looking at the urologist and saying like I need I need medication I need something and I I did call my doctor and I ended up you know they called back and I didn't answer and I probably should have gotten some medication some help but you know I ended up powering through but I think what people don't realize is that when treatment ends um, for me I was actually more mentally unstable just because I think with you know going through treatment and everything you're in survival mode until your adrenaline's going and then all of a sudden you know treatment stops but those fears of relapse don't go away and so I think for me it was just the chemo at the beginning was absolutely terrifying it was a poison that looked like water which was so bizarre um you know being pumped into your child's veins but they tell you you know when your kid pees make sure you're wearing gloves when you change their diaper because you don't want that on your skin you know if it if chemo you know has any if if it drips out it is a biohazard everybody clears out and panics yet they're pumping it directly into your child's veins it's, it's bizarre but then you know it becomes a safety blanket and you know, and you're like, okay, well, but now my kid's not going to get chemo anymore. That's terrifying. That's what keeps the cancer away. So I think for me, like, you know, I think it's important to be aware of your mental health. Um, do whatever you need to do. I know Kev, you know, connected me with, um, you know, for my birthday, I was able to go on a girl's trip. And I know, you know, some people might have some judgy, you know, feelings towards people taking trips. I mean, I would have loved to take a lot more trips just because I felt mentally refreshed after that. Um, it's it's hard. And I, I hope that you know, if you are somebody that looks at somebody and judges them for going on a trip or something like that while their child is fighting cancer, I just hope that you look at them and you <clears throat> think about what it takes to watch what your kid goes through and what you need to do in order to feel better and don't judge them. It, you know, I don't know. Great advice. Great advice. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I do. And th I think this is why it's it's so important, you know, and Suze is, I, I want to acknowledge um, with everyone, you know, Suze is doing something she's not comfortable doing right now, but she understands that it's important for her to share these things because she has a perspective I just can't touch. I can't, I can't, I can't share that perspective. She's so good at, at making it real. Right. And I think she makes a really good point. Like when she went on the girls, I remember she went on the girls trip and I talked to your sister, Laura. Um, and it was, it was kind of like, you know, we were at that point, it was kind of like, okay, everybody needs a break. Right. And so um, her, her, some of her best friends really came together and they all went to a house in the mountains and, and just didn't about things that we normally talk about, you know, she and I, you know, like we're talking about, you know, um, how's your kidney function and, and what's your blood count and, you know, things like that, like that, that's our 
daily discussion in our house and she got a little break from that. I think the point that she made of not judging, not judging people who are doing something that is helping their mental health when they're in the fight of cancer with their child, that's very important because it's really easy for us to do. It's really easy for us to have the advice and you can't know what you should do until you're in that situation. So the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is if you have someone you care about and their child's been diagnosed with cancer, support them, ask them how you can help them. And it can be as simple as, hey, I need a Starbucks, or it can be as complex as, hey, can you watch my kid for the weekend? You know, um, and both, both of those things can have the same positive impact, you know, it, it really can. And, and it, I think it was in the same month, Suze went, uh, went away with her girlfriends and I got to go away with my guy friends um, for a weekend. And I, I remember us being really um, refreshed after that, that time, even though it was still emotional, you know, it still was. So coming out of treatment, you know, she and I have, you know, we've kind of, it's the kind of thing where she can't battle my battles for me and I can't battle her battles for her. Um, and it, it really is, it, it's a tough battle when you come out of treatment, you know, dealing with PTSD, um, dealing with, you know, the, the random thought that comes into your mind, you know, and I know Susan, and I, you know, have plenty of those where it's like you're having dinner and then all of a sudden you're triggered and you're reminded of something that takes you down this rabbit hole of emotions. And that's a very real thing. So mental health is, is super important. And so um, parents, if, if you're going through it, I think, I, I think collectively Susan, I would say, um, make sure you're taking care of your mental health, make sure you're ahead of the curve and you're not thinking you're just going to muscle your way through it. Um, take precautions. If you need to take precautions, ask for help if you need to ask for help find a really small but trusted group of people that will not judge you if you need uh to go to happy hour or if you need to go on, on a little quick getaway trip or if whatever you need to do i think that's really important um yeah yeah so uh it's okay to wrap up now Sus? you got anything you mm -hmm. want to add yeah no. um first of all i'm going to be the first to acknowledge the power of my wife uh and the, the gut she has to be for now 40 minutes um that's something that we'll we're, she and i are going to get better at you know if you've been listening to the podcast at all this is episode 48 we keep it real we're not here to be professionally produced we're we're gonna uh you're gonna hear us cough your sniffle cry laugh all the things. you're gonna hear royce in the background you're gonna hear bags so um if if what you're you need is professional and high quality production we're probably not it um, if what you're looking for is real, um, yeah, we're glad to deliver that. But if you listen to all the episodes, you'll hear um, buses in the backgrounds, hospitals, waiting rooms, all the things. Um, but in episode 48, we're kind of turning a corner, and this is the Highway to Hug episode. We're out here in our fifth wheel um, trying to help other kids, trying to better our lives, trying to rewrite Baxley's memories, trying to give him a better thing. He went from cancer to COVID, and now we're out here hopefully showing him a little bit of a better time than he had during his fourth and fifth years of life. And, um, and that's what we're doing. Go follow us on Facebook, hug your people, follow us on Instagram, hug your people. Uh, the YouTube video is coming out. So we'll have a YouTube channel. There's plenty of places for you to consume. Remember, share, 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 bring people into our world, donate to our cause. If you can, 100% of your donations go to the kids. Um, none of the donation money is funding this trip. We're paying for this trip out of our pocket because we believe that's important. And so, uh, so go, go ahead and do that. We're a transparent group. We've got a board of directors that help keep us transparent. And so that's our commitment to you. 
Um, outside of that, we thank you for being here. Suze, I love mm -hmm. you. Thank you so much love for being you. On, on this. I think you're going to help some mamas out there. I really do. I believe that. Thanks, babes. So uh, episode 48, that's it. Thank you for being here. Hug your people. And uh, mm -hmm. we'll see you next time.